So today, I have the privilege of unpacking the vision of Brave Church. And as Rick and I were talking about it, um, it should be the vision of every church, and it probably is in some way, shape, or form. But uh, I love the way you guys captured it, just says, you know, know God and, and make him known. And it's found from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. So we're going to read, read that passage of scripture, and I'm going to pray, and then uh, we're going to... We're going to talk about it, and I hope it'll be, it'll be helpful. So if you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to go verses 15 through 18, and I got to put on my glasses. This is actually the first time that I've ever preached wearing readers. It has come to that, folks. Okay, verse 15. So this is the Apostle Paul. He's writing the church. He says, therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the Lord of the Lord God of our Lord Jesus, sorry, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that, your, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you that you have made yourself knowable. I thank you, Lord, that you're revealing yourself to this church and to each individual. And we say to you, Lord, thank you. And we want to know you more. We ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we would be, uh, that you would reveal, that you would uh, unveil yourself to us in a way where we capture your heart, where we get to know you a little bit more. And so have your way. Help me, Lord, to speak this morning. Thank you for the great honor and privilege that I have of being here. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. To know God and make him known. So it's been over three years since I lived in Pasco County. Um, I think it was like mid-December uh, when I moved to North Carolina. I moved on my own, and then my wife and my youngest son joined me after about six months. So it's been a little, it's been a little while since I've kind of called Tampa, the Tampa area my home. And uh, I've noticed a few things. I've noticed that, I mean, I can get around, but like some of the details that I knew about the city of Tampa have kind of, they've left. Um, I was at a flag football game yesterday and I was getting ready to play and a lot of my friends were there and then their like wives started showing up and I'm thinking to myself, oh, what is her name again, you know, and, and you know, and you greet them and you're like, hey, you, you know, <laughs> it's just awkward and at 46 years old, my memory isn't what it used to be, but because I'm not visiting it regularly, some of the memories are going. And I'm not familiar. Like, I was on the plane with somebody a, a couple weeks ago, and uh, he was from Florida. He worked for the State Department. He's like, oh, yeah, I live in Dunedin. And I'm like, oh, that's in the Tampa area. And for the life of me, I had no idea where Dunedin is. Like, if you said, go to Dunedin, I'd be like, all right, MapQuest. You know, like, I have no idea because I haven't, you know, spent time there. Um, a few months ago, the Lord just started to talk to me. He, uh, he, he speaks to me a lot of times in like illustrations and visions and pictures. And I live in the mountains and I live in a little town called Boone, North Carolina. And it doesn't take long to get to know Boone. And if you could picture your mind at like 
God being the greater Tampa area, area, okay? And there's all different parts of the city. You got the airport, you got the stadium, go Bucks. Still a Bucks fan, even though I live in Panther territory. That's a sermon all in itself, you know. Uh, you know, they have Ybor City and you got, you know, uh, McDill and, and the port and all that. And, you know, and I, I drove Uber for a little while. And so I'm pretty familiar with the, you know, the city, but it's starting to go. Now, if, if the knowledge of God was like the city of Tampa, I think a lot of us are familiar with the big landmarks. You can make your way to the airport without a problem. You can go down 275. You can, you know, jump on the expressway. You know where the stadium is. You know how to get to Ebor. You know how to get to downtown. You know how to get to, you know, your local Krispy Kreme. Hallelujah, right? But if you don't frequent those areas, you're going to experience what I did, and you're going to start to forget. And I think the problem with the church isn't that they don't know God. It's they've stopped growing in the knowledge of God. It's like they, they, they discovered the big parts of the city of God and then they kind of stopped pursuing and they started pursuing other things. And so they're like, oh yeah, I know who God is. Jesus died on the cross for my sin. Blah, 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 right? And that's it. And we forget that the knowledge of God, knowing God is a kaleidoscope. Have you ever used a kaleidoscope? You know, they got the little jewels in this little telescope looking thing and you look at it and you spin it and you never see the same thing twice, but it's always the same thing in the kaleidoscope. And when you look at God, he is always like, wow, I never saw that before, even though he never changes. And knowing God should be this pursuit, this adventure. And so many times we, we know the big parts and then we kick it neutral and then we pursue a career or we pursue, you know, the approval of our neighbors and we, we chase after things that don't matter when the truth is knowing God is all that matters. Knowing him is the greatest reward. And so my hope and my prayer today is that I kind of, you know, maybe throw some pebbles in the pond and start maybe stoking an appetite in all of us for the knowledge of God. Because if we just start just maybe researching one part, like the, the meekness of Jesus. Think about that for a second. Jesus, all powerful, can summon angels to do anything. He, the creator of the world, yet he, he walked in meekness on the earth. You, we could spend about a billion years just looking at the meekness of Jesus. And every time in the kaleidoscope of the knowledge of God, wow, our mind gets blown. Knowing God and making him known. And I don't want to happen to what happened to me to happen to Brave Church and that we start to forget. So in this room right now, there are varying degrees of the knowledge of God. Um, in my conversations with Ricky, he is one of the most knowledgeable of God. Like, I wouldn't call him a theologian, but he knows the Bible. He knows every story. He knows all the people. And, you know, sometimes, I'm going to make a confession. Sometimes we'll be talking and, and, and he'll, ref, you know, reference some part of a story of the Bible. He's like, you know, James, remember when so-and-so did this and that's in the Bible? And I'm just like, yeah, sure, yeah. And I'm totally, I have to go look it up after, so. But so there's varying degrees of the knowledge of God. And so the reason people stand afar off is because they don't know him rightly. 
Like to know God is to love God. If you know him, you love him. If you know who God is, you can't help but be drawn to him. Every part of him, every facet of his character, his nature, his love, his justice, his leadership, just every part of him is like, wow, why wouldn't you live in humble surrender to this, the greatest, most appealing being ever? And to know him is to love him. And so if you find that you have a problem loving him, is because you have a blurriness in your knowledge of him. And so that's why the purpose of this church is colossal. Because this community, the reason they're not here is they don't know God. Or what they know of God isn't accurate. And so they know just enough. And they'll probably say, most people would probably say, I believe in God. But if you pull that thread, you're going to find something where if God really is true, then, then the logical response is to surrender our lives to him. That's where, that, that's where it ends is I will gladly surrender my life to the, to the king of kings, to the glorious God of creation. That's the, the natural response is to say, wow. Or the other option is, I'm too proud, I love my life too much, and I'm going to stand afar off because I want to do my thing, and then I'm going to get with him after. Hopefully, it won't be too late. So this community needs people who are growing in the knowledge of God, like it's a daily pursuit, and you're, uh, and you're kind of engaging in this understanding of, okay, I need to be growing in my knowing. I need to grow in the knowledge of God, and that is the purpose that God put Brave Church here. That is the reason Ricky wakes up every single morning is he's thinking, how can I grow Brave Church in the knowledge of God? How can I provoke them to a hunger for Jesus? How can I get them out of their lethargy? How can I wake them up so that they're fully alive in Jesus? How can I allow them to experience the healing part of God so that they can more efficiently and effectively walk out their faith day by day? It's what consumes them. It's all we talk about. And that's what you want in a pastor. And so a pastor who loves God and wants you to grow in the knowledge of God uh, is praying for you and contending and he wants to eliminate every distraction, every obstacle so that knowing God and falling in love with him is the easiest thing for you. It's a shepherd. It's what he does. And I appreciate him. If I lived here, this would be my pastor. This would be my church. Honestly. So there's four quick you know, just ways, if you're taking notes and you're, you're jotting them down, four things, very practical on how to grow in the knowledge of God. Number one is this, the Bible. Now, I, I would write down, if you're taking notes, the revealed word of God, because there are people who read this and know this a thousand times better than I do, but they don't have a relationship with God. They, they read it to disprove it. So they know the Bible, but the love of God and, and the knowledge of God hasn't been revealed to them. Their minds are darkened. The Bible says they're blinded. They read it and they can't see. They don't read it to know God better. They read it to uh, try to pull people, other people away from God. Or they read it without understanding because they're not reading it in, 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 the, in, the, in a context of prayer. So like reading the Bible, understanding what the Bible says, there is, I don't know of a, a better way to know God other than getting in here. 
Like you get to see how powerful he is. You get to see his nature. You get to see his character. You get to see that he's true, that he's honorable. I mean, all of these things that are appealing about God is found in the Bible. So actually, I'm preaching at my church in Boone. I'm not the pastor of the church. I just attend. Um, uh, my pastor invited me to preach next week. And he said, hey, can you, can you share on how to study the Bible? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And so I'm not going to you know, share that now. But you need to, I would encourage you to get some sort of a regular system of ingesting this. This, so... The Holy Spirit, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit needs material. He needs building material. So the Holy Spirit wants to reveal God to you. And what better way than to give the Holy Spirit who lives in you the word of God to chew up, to, to uh, put, you know, as nutrition, to help you grow and be strong. The Bible, revealed word. Number two, his people. There, there are things called blind spots that we all have. And this isn't the only thing that happens in, in small group or community groups, but it, it's one of the things where when you get into closer relationship and you have a friendship with one another and they have gained enough trust where they can say, hey, you know what? When you said this, I don't think you meant this, but this is what they heard. And you're like, wow, I didn't see that. You're not going to get that anywhere else. But in a community group where your knowledge of God grows and you get to Show people the God in you, and they get to show you the God in them, and you grow together. And it's, it's just crucial, crucial, crucial. You, you cannot, it's very difficult to grow isolated. Very difficult to grow isolated. And so I would just encourage you, if you want to grow in the knowledge of God, get in a community group. Amen, Pastor Ricky? Okay. Number three, prayer. Prayer. I know that prayer is one of those weird things, like when you engage in prayer, you feel like you're talking to the wall and you're like, whatever. Um, I would just exhort you, encourage you to fall in love with the place of prayer. Like get into a room, close the door, don't leave until your heart's been moved by the Lord. And I will say this, in the, in the place of prayer, everybody look at my eyes, thanksgiving and gratitude are the doorway to worship and have an, a, a heart that's alive. So a lot of times the reason our heart gets kind of crusty is because we haven't been thankful. And so this is what Paul was praying for the church, that, that the, the revelation of the knowledge of God, like God would be revealed to people. Like he's always there. He doesn't change, but we don't see him. But in the place of prayer, all of a sudden, through gratitude, we start seeing him differently. We're like, oh, wow. Like I was in prayer just this last week, and I was just thanking God just for little things because I take so many things for granted. I started, I started thanking the Lord for my heartbeat. Now, that might sound weird to you, but I actually put my, my fingers up here, and I'm like, I have a heartbeat, right? You know, like, I was having a hard time finding, and I finally felt this, you know, on my, on my neck, and I, like, got flooded by emotion, and I had never felt my pulse before, and thank God for my beating heart. Like my heart, every time it beats, it's a gift from God. Every time my lungs inflate and deflate, it's a gift from God. Uh, two of my kids are here and that's a gift from God. Like we have so many things that, we're, that we forget to be grateful for. And I think like gratitude and thanksgiving are like massaging oil on a, on a hard heart. 
And we have so many things to be grateful for. Lord, thank you for my pastor, Ricky. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my kids. Thank you. And just start to pour out praise and thanksgiving to God. And you will begin to grow in the knowledge of him. He will, I think God reveals himself to a thankful heart. You might want to write that down. That's a, that's a good one. I want to look at another prayer from the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians chapter 3. And uh, I'm not sure if we'll, we'll get past this or not. We'll see. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. If you have your Bibles, just one flip over. If you have a phone, you're just going to go push up, right? Okay. Ephesians three fourteen. I love this because this is Paul praying again, which is what your pastor does. He's praying and contending for the eyes of the church to be open. This is what Paul prays. He says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. We talked about that just now. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in what? Very good. Thank you. like the participation. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So Paul is, he's kind of painting a picture as best as he can with his words. And he's trying to describe the love of God. Because honestly, that's first base. Like if you're going to know God, you better start with his love. The love of God is like the airport of a city. It's where you get in, right? It's where you arrive. You got to understand. Everybody look at my eyes again. If you have never heard this, if you don't know this, hear it from me. And please believe me, God loves you. Like the invisible God of the Bible that we can't see with our eyes. He loves you. Each and every one of you. He loves 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 you. I remember one time, my youngest son, Aiden, um, he, you know how as, as kids and parents are, sometimes your relationships get strained. And I remember watching just a hardness over my son's heart. And uh, he was kind of having an attitude and he felt like I didn't like him because I probably gotten angry or whatever. So we were in my room and I looked at him and I said, Aiden, I love you. He goes, yeah, I know, dad. And I said, no, no, I love you. I don't know if I pointed or not. And so, because that seems kind of mean, right? Um, but I, I just, and I, the Holy Spirit just had me say it again and again and again. And probably 50 times. Aiden, I love you. I love you. I love you. And about halfway in, tears started just streaming down his face as the love that God had put in me for my son began to melt the hardness of his heart. And that's, that's what it looks like. That's what God is doing for us. He is saying to humanity, I love you. I love you. I love you. Look at the sunrise. That tells you once more how much I love you. Look at this butterfly. I created it so you know how much I love you. Look at how you have food on the table. I did that so you know I love you. Look at Brave Church. I put that church here so you know I, the God of heaven, loves you. This church is a demonstration of God's love to this community. It's what God's saying. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. In May, I am going to be a grandfather. Yes. 
I'm so excited. And I don't want to call them out, but my son and his wife are here. So my grandbaby is sitting on the front row. And my grandbaby is hearing grandpa preach for the first time. I am beside myself excited. Like I cried yesterday, just giving Lauren a hug. I was so excited. I'm like counting down the days, trying to figure out how I can move to Florida. I don't know, you know. But here's the deal. Like that little baby doesn't know me yet. That little baby doesn't know that my love is aimed at it. It's, it's there. It has its own reality. They're, they're, they don't know if it's a boy or a girl yet. So, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm loving it. It's there. The love is there. It is full on ready. And the moment is going to come where that baby is going to be like, I have, a, I have a grandpa who loves me. Like, and that's going to be one of the best days of my life. Right? And that's how it is with us and the Lord. Like, God's love is aimed at us. And so many people are totally oblivious and they just don't know. Walking around, just dealing with their own stuff, with their own strength, and just feeling like failures and disconnected, feeling so far from God. And all the while, He's there and He's loving them. And He just wants them to know how much He loves them. And this is what Paul's saying. He's like, I want them to know it's deep, it's high, it's wide. You gotta feel it, you gotta experience it. This life of pursuit of the knowledge of God is the greatest pursuit, it never gets old. It never gets old. All right, so um, I want to read. A, I want to read a passage that is not in, in the notes, but it's not going to be on the screen. It's a quick audible, but it's found in Second Corinthians chapter two, verse fourteen. So if you have your if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Second Corinthians two fourteen. I this this verse, man, just. All right, 2 Corinthians 2.14. Love this. This is the Apostle Paul. Again, he's writing to the church, this time in a different city. Uh, The first ones we read, he was writing to Ephesus. Now he's writing to Corinth, a very wicked city. But this is the church that God was demonstrating his love to in that city, like God is demonstrating his love in this city. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. I love this. He says, now thanks be to God. Now there's that gratitude, thanksgiving. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Wow. I don't know if that hits you like it hits me. Through us. So God has a knowledge distribution plan. Like God has a plan to distribute, to diffuse, to radiate the knowledge of himself in a community and you're it. You're the distribution plan. You're the the one that according to 2 Corinthians 2, 14, you're the one that he's called to diffuse the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. So do you ever... You ever have somebody walk by you and they have like this really nice smelling perfume or cologne? Or somebody walks by you and they smell terrible? It's the, the reaction is the same. You're like, and then you look for the source, right? Am I right? You smell it and you're like, who that? <laughs> Some, somebody didn't shower or I need to find out what the name of that is so I can buy it for my wife, right? 
But that's what we do. And so like, I love the, the terminology is that God has called us, Brave Church, to diffuse the fragrance of his knowledge in Odessa. So that when people interact with us, they're like, what is that? Not, not literally like smelling, but they sense something different. And they start looking for the source. And they're like, man, even, you know, all this crazy Rona that we've had, you're still joyful. How did you do that? Man, I'm noticing that even though you have this crazy thing going on in your family, you still have peace. How did that happen? Man, I noticed that you have loved me really well, even though you didn't have to. Like, you bought me this and you didn't have to. Why did you do that? Or, man, I've just seen kindness in your life that I haven't seen before. How did you do that? You see, the fragrance of the knowledge is the fruit of the Spirit. So, like, as you abide with God and as you grow in the knowledge of God, something is going to happen, and it's this. You're going to start bearing fruit. And in the Bible, in Galatians, it lists out the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And as we put those on display, and you don't, you can't like bear down and, you know, squint and grunt and produce the fruit of the Spirit. It's not like an effort thing. The fruit of the Spirit aren't produced by effort. They're produced by abiding. So like as you abide with the Lord and you just enjoy Him, as you enjoy Jesus... Jesus, you're so good. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your provision, gratitude, worship, and praise. What's going to happen as you grow in the knowledge of God and joining him? The Holy Spirit, who is a gardener, is going to start growing some fruit in your life. And all of a sudden, joy is going to be there where it wasn't there before. And love and patience. And how many people could use some self-control? Can I get a witness, right? That's, that's a fruit of the Spirit. And the Spirit will cultivate as a gardener, these things in your life, and they'll just be on display. I remember there was a season I saw faithfulness in my life. I'm like, where did that come from? That was one of the, like, the weakest fruits of my life. And I was praying, the Lord's like, oh, I'm, I'm growing a row of faithfulness in your heart. Wow. So what happens, let me just follow me here. As we abide with the Lord, we're growing in the knowledge of him. The fruit of the Spirit are on display in our life, and it's going to draw people to the love of God. It's going to draw people because if you look at that whole list of the nine fruit of the Spirit, all of them are the most attractive things you've ever seen in a human. Think about it for a second. Think of the person in your life who's the most joyful. You want to be around them. The person who has the most self-control, you want to be like them, right? Person who has love and peace and patience, all those things, all of those fruit of the Spirit, God has wired human beings to be drawn to. Isn't that cool? God did that. I, mean, I don't care how lost you are, you are drawn to joyful people. You could be some crotchety old person, but you see joy, you're going to kind of gravitate. And, and so it's like God's incredible plan that he cultivates the fruit of the Spirit in his people, and it draws the lost to the church. It draws people who don't know God to the God that lives in you. That is how he diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. When you're in Publix and you just have the joy of the Lord, or when you're in a situation and people at your work don't understand why you're not freaking out like the rest of them, the fruit of the Spirit, are gonna, they're going to be drawn. They're going to say, man. And when you invite them to church, they're going to be like, yeah, I need to know what, what is going on. I need to know where this comes from.
The church doesn't have an evangelism problem. It's just a love problem. Like, as we grow in the knowledge of God, as we abide with him, people are going to be drawn automatically. You're not going to need some evangelistic uh, outreach program to grow brave. All you need to do is grow in your knowledge of God. And guess what? The fruit and loving God is going to be a natural byproduct and people are going to want to be here. I want to be here. It's awesome. All right, let me wrap up with this. Last, last uh, verse. And then we're going to pray. John chapter 13, verse 23. John 13, verse 23. So this is the story where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And I'm just going to read the one verse. Verse 23. Now there was, leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. That's it. So... Ricky knows this because he's a great theologian. He knows that John, you know, the apostle wrote this uh, book. And John refused to refer to himself in the first person by his own name. Throughout the book, he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And I was reading this this week, and I just was questioning, like, what, what had to have happened in John's life for him to, as he's writing the book, right? If anything, I'd be like, I am the only one who was at the cross. I don't know why John sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but like, like he was the only one at the crucifixion. Um, he was, he was, all, he was uh, him and, and, and Peter and Andrew were invited with Jesus to go, you know, and pray when in the garden. I mean, John was one of the three that was invited into every part of Jesus' life. But for some reason, John said, nothing is important except being known by God's love. Like, that's the only thing that he thought was worth writing. Like, he didn't even care if people knew his name. So somewhere along the the line, John encountered the love of God to such an extent that it's all that mattered. It's all that mattered. And so, imagine John putting his head on the chest of Jesus, hearing the heartbeat, like, "Mm -mm, mm -mm, I love you, I love you. I love you. And John was so convinced that he decided that he would be defined by the love of God. Like he wouldn't be defined by a career, wouldn't even be defined by a name. The only thing that John wanted to be defined by is that he received the love of God. That's how powerful it is. That's what this call, this church is called to. That's what it looks like to make God known is to love people well. Like, you're convinced of God's love, and that which you receive, you give. Like, you love people the way God loved you, unconditionally, not based on performance, in the middle of their darkness, in the middle of their crazy. How many of you might be married to somebody who's got a little crazy going on in their life? Don't raise your hand, right? (laughs) Too late for some of you, right? But my wife's got a little crazy going on, and her crazy makes me crazy, And sometimes it makes me angry. And I'm like, Lord, why? And he says, you got to dive in there. This is what love looks like. You got to dive into her love. You got to love her in the middle of her crazy. That's what love looks like. So 
Know God and make him known. We talked about what it looks like to know God. Making him known is simply asking the Holy Spirit moment by moment, Lord, what does love look like right now? What does love look like right now? I'm in my car. Lord, what does love look like? I got cut off on the road. What does love look like? What does love look like? Sometimes love looks like keeping your mouth closed. Sometimes love looks like speaking a hard word in love. Sometimes love means doing something you don't want to do. Actually, a lot of times. And that's what it's going to take. That's what it looks like for this church to live her vision. Is to grow in your knowledge of God every day. And to love people the way that God loved you. It sounds so simple. It actually is pretty simple. We complicate it. But it is the greatest, most fulfilling calling ever. I had this conversation with my youngest son last week, Aiden. He's 18. And we're talking about this topic, about loving people. I said, Aiden, we're lovers. We love people. And there are people in your school who don't know God because they don't see him clearly. And you get to show them what he's like. Brave church, there are people in this community who don't know God because what they're seeing isn't accurate. And you get to show them what he's like. So I'd like to pray for us. The prayer team's gonna come up and and pray. But when I started studying for this message, um, the first words that I wrote was an impartation of the love of God. And that's what I'm hoping the Lord will do today. That there will be an impartation, like God will explode our ability to love people better like he has loved us. So if you would like prayer, if you... um, would, if you were to say, you know what, I need that. I'm having a hard time loving people and I need to either grow in my knowledge of God or I need to grow in my ability to love people. Then I think there's a grace on this time that the Lord is going gonna, is gonna to do that. So let me pray and then uh, we'll just have a time of prayer. And if you need to give your life to Jesus, also you may come up. Father, we thank you that knowing you is our greatest privilege I thank you that we get to grow in the knowledge of you, that you have revealed yourself to us, you've made yourself knowable, and it's this incredible pursuit in the knowledge of God. And Lord, to, lo- to know you is to love you, and so we do love you today. Lord, I thank you that o- obedience is God's love language. Like we get to walk out our faith and we get to walk in obedience, and that's how we demonstrate that we love you, because Jesus did that. He walked in obedience out of love. So Lord, help us. Help us where we fall short. I thank you that the Holy Spirit in us is fully equipped to pull this off. Thank you for the privilege of knowing you. Thank you for this church. In Jesus' name, amen.